Hey there, welcome into a baseball edition of the H-Town Wheelhouse Show. We've got some things to talk about. Do the Astros still have holes to fill? Who will kind of be a surprise this year? Who are the favorites coming out of each league? And will the Astros make a trade? I got my boy Klontz here to talk about all things baseball and Houston Astros. Let's start right now. Beyond the wheelhouse is where it goes down like, well. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the H-Town Wheelhouse Show, an athletically declined sports production. I am H-Town Wheelhouse. And look, I got my man Clancy here. He is here. Look, you can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on X Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at Stros411 on X Instagram and Facebook. Always positive, always Stros. You can find the show at Athletically Declined Sports. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them all. Go check out Mr. Fantasy. Go check out Three Man Rush, The Roundtable. I mean, Dugout Confessions. We've got it going. we got it hopping. I got my man, Clancy. Clontz, tell us where we can find you on social media, and how are you doing today, sir? What's going on, man? Happy belated Christmas. That's right. Very belated yes, Christmas. That's right. Right. Uh, you can find me on X at H-Town Throwdown. Uh, okay. and then on the gram at Billy Kyle C we'll go into that. That's got still my personal life and everything in it. So you'll still see plenty of athletically declined content in there, but then people start calling me by my birth names and stuff. And you start trying to figure out who they're talking about. So, uh, that's what I'm at. I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm awesome, man. It's kind of like we talked about there. There is no off season for us ultimately, uh, especially for baseball and the Astros. So I'm excited to talk some ball. No, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mean, we all know what happened last season, but I, I think, you know, you got to quickly turn the page on that because we have Joe Espada in. We have Yiner Diaz going to be taking a starting role. You know, you have guys like Garcia and McCullers coming back. I mean, there are there are a lot of different storylines. Um, you know, Forrest Whitley's going to really look into finally make an impact where we've been waiting for this guy, it seems like, forever. But I really believe in the work he's putting in right now. I mean, he looks to be moving the ball real well through the zone, um, topping out at, I think, 97, but his slider at 91 looks really killer right now. So that's a cool thing. And we know that we've lost some people. We know that they're probably not bringing back Stanek. Um, last time I talked to Stanek, the Astros hadn't talked to him. Um, I have heard chatter that they are still talking with Naries, that they're still talking with Hicks. And so we know that that may be a possibility within the next week or two. They got to get something done quickly. But if you look at this team and you look at the lineup, what holes do you think the Astros still have to fill? Or are they good where they are for right now if they went into the season today? I mean, you already kind of hit on it a little bit. A lot of the names you threw out there, it's all concentrated around the bullpen. I think probably if you look at what we would deem a weak link on this roster, the pin has lost the most, as you talked about. Um, I think there's still good bones there, but you still got a couple of role players that you need. Um, 
As far as your high leverage situations, you still got Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu. I may be dreaming at this point. I would love a lefty like Josh Hader to slide in to the back end, uh, just high leverage situation in this bullpen. Um, that's the most glaring thing to me as far as lack of depth uh, to fill those holes of Naris, of Stanek, of other guys that are leaving. You have to dig onto the farm pretty much, and uh, it's running thin, man. Like we talked about, Dana Brown's been very vocal that Forrest Whitley's going to get a chance to talk or to earn a bullpen spot. Um, I'm with you. I'm excited about what I've seen. The stuff looks good. Um, I think he could slide perfectly into this bullpen and be a contributing guy all season long. Um, but for me, it's the pin. That's that's just the area of most concern. Um, and we're going to have to spend a little bit to address that thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of spending, um, I know you probably didn't see this. This came out today. You've been you've been working because you have a real job, unlike me, who teaches and we get these really cool breaks. But Josh Hader is actually said to be looking for a five a bigger contract than Edwin Diaz, five years, 100, 102 million. And my response to that tweet was, but you tell teams you won't pitch more than one inning. So you're demanding you want the whole hog, but you're not willing to put in the work to get that hog and put it on the table. I just, I love Josh Hader. I, I think him coming back to the Astros would be a phenomenal storyline. Um, you know, he leaves, they are not leaves. He gets traded. He has success, right. comes back to the Astros setup guy. Then, I mean, how could you, how could you even think of going, getting in the box against Hader, Abreu and Presley? I mean, that would be, a murder's row of, of relief pitching back in. Um, I think the Nerys and the Hicks thing is realistic. They're just hung up on that third year from what I understand. And look, if you're a little camera shy or gun shy, whatever you want to say, because of Montero, Nerys isn't Montero and neither is Hicks. So I don't think it's that big of a stretch to throw the three years at Nerys unless you just, feel like it takes you completely out of signing other people. I think what's funny is the poster child that Hader mentioned as I want a Diaz type deal. Diaz right now is the poster child as to why you're not going to get that type of deal. Got <laughs> hurt all season, is not earning that paycheck or whatever. I just, I am very, very reluctant as important as the bullpen is in today's game of baseball. No owner's going to hand out that kind of money to guys on a regular basis for closers or high leverage situation guys. It's just not going to happen. And as good as Josh Hader is, I'm with you. I, I think it'd be poetic for him to come back. Jim Crane is not going to hand out that type of money to a back end guy, nor should he. Even even as a fan, I don't I don't think you should be handing out that type of deal when we're still trying to keep what we got in a lot of circumstances. So. Yeah, I agree with that assessment for sure. So, so I I think this is a good conversation to have because I actually haven't talked to you about this. The rule changes that have been announced for this next year. And let's just talk about the bullpen. So if you get a pitcher up in the up in the bullpen to warm up, that pitcher has to face at least one batter that inning. I'll ask you about that. But my second question is, what do they do if you put two pitchers up at the same time? But 
yeah. Address that first one. To me, are we getting what is like what is the point, right? Yeah. And I think before we dive into this, it's important to notate, I think that these rules were passed without the approval of the players union. Nobody 100%. in the players union wanted this. This was all owners. Um, I think the argument for this getting passed on an owner standpoint, at least, was that uh, the pace of play started to slow down a little bit in the second half. I think the difference between uh, length of games in the first half and the second half was about seven minutes uh, okay, longer. Right. Right. Seven minutes. Seven minutes, Klontz. Seven. Yeah. Not seven hours. Seven minutes. Right. And so to tie back to your question, you are now messing with the product that's on the field. It's not in yeah. managers as well, because suddenly it's not. Let's see what happens with this batter as far as who I bring in, you know, who's on deck. What what if the team hitting pinch hits at the same time to negate your move? There's no way you've put the team on the field at a distinct disadvantage with this rule versus the team that's at the plate. So yeah, I'm not in favor of this at all. I'm, I'm borderline a purist. There's some rules that I think needed to be addressed and changed. This is not one of them. And I think this well, is one of those deals. Go ahead. Oh no. I just think a counter move, sorry to interrupt. I think a counter move to this and I think managers should throw this out there. So so, so let's say you and I are playing against each other. You're the hooks and I'm the missions, okay? Okay. And I've got a guy on deck and I see you warming up Travis Duke, you know, from University of Texas, you know, warming right. up the big lefty, right? Getting them, yeah. getting them warm, getting them ready. Well, I'm the I'm the missions, you're the hooks. I'm gonna sit my guy down, and then your guy still gotta go out there, right? Well, what yeah. if the rule was once I have the guy up in the box? He's got to be the one that hits. You can't change it. That to me would seem fair. That to me would make the rule a lot less or a lot easier for players to accept. But right. does that make sense? I mean, that seems like a, a reasonable ask. It's good. What's going to happen if they don't put something like that into play? It's going to take one manager. Pick whoever you want, whether it's Joe Espada, whether it's Bruce Bochy, somebody that's yeah. smart. You're going to get into spring training, and they're going to do just that. They're going to expose why this rule is flawed, and they're going to have to do something quickly about it. And I, oh, yeah. I, we're at a point too that because the players' union didn't was not in favor of any of this, this type of thing is going to come up when the CBA is up in the next what was that a four or five year mm -hmm. agreement or whatever. Oh yeah, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, stuff like this is going to have to be repealed and walked back. Because the players don't want to play like this. They know how messed up this is. And I agree with them. You're going to have to fix this after the fact, after guys have already adjusted. What kind of stats get flawed? Because this is not being tested. This is going straight into straight into the game. What kind of stats get flawed? How do we adjust our metrics for evaluating players for things like this? This is a mess, man. I'm not in favor of any of this. No, I'm not either, you know, from that to shortening the pitch clock by two seconds because there's a runner on base. And then if there's a foul ball, once the 
pitcher gets the ball thrown back to him, the new ball, the clock starts. It doesn't, it doesn't reset like it resets, but it starts pretty much immediately. It just all for five to seven minutes, all to reach what fans are we like, you know, the Dodgers, they seat the most people per season because their stadium's the largest baseball stadium in the league, right? Okay. I mean, did they have thousands of more players? Now they're probably going to have more, obviously, because Otani and Yamamoto. I mean, obviously, they're going to be, I mean, their tickets for opening day are already going for like four grand and eight grand. It's just insane. And I totally get the draw there, but I mean, why, why are we doing this? And I don't want to sit on this much longer. It just, to me, like, like, who are you appeasing, right? Who, who are you satisfying? Because why do the owners want the game to be shortened even more? I mean, are they not hooked to sales? Are they not hooked on the ridiculous prices that they charge? I mean, we got it pretty nice in Houston. And I mean, I traveled to Arlington for the playoffs. Those prices were crazy, but I know New York and California, it's a lot more to get a Coke and a soda and a hot dog and a beer right. than it is here in H-Town. I don't, I guess to further your point of who are they appeasing, I'm going to sound like a crotchy old man sitting on the porch after this statement, but the kids that don't have the attention span that can't watch a two and a half, an hour, two and a half hour ball game are not buying the tickets. Their parents are, or they're people like you and me, people with full-time jobs that I enjoy baseball. I'm going to the game because I enjoy it. I want to watch it. Don't cut that short. That's that much more in Coke sales, beer sales, memorabilia, whatever that's there by shortening the game. Yeah. This is it, not it, a win situation at all. They, they, excellent question. Who are you trying to appease? And then when they answer it, the answer is wrong. <laughs> no, it is. Not a yeah, it's, model. it's like whatever answer you come up with, it's, it's you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, right. But yeah, so. It, it, it's going to be interesting, and I forget who it was. Oh, it was actually Tony Clark's statement from the Players Association. He said, we would have rather baseball do statistics and take surveys and get basically a temperature of where the players are on this before just saying, hey, guys, we're changing the rules again. It just makes no sense. But, you know, let's let's move on because, man, we could beat that sure. dead horse until that carcass is nothing but bones. Um right. But going into 2024, um, you know, the powers are shifting. You know, you've, you've got the Orioles in the AL. You've got, um, I mean, the Tigers are actually getting some people. Um, you've got, well, the White Sox, I was going to say, are making moves, but they all have former Astros catchers. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah. The Rays are probably going to be competitive. The Yankees are going to be better. They got Juan Soto. The Dodgers have two Japanese superstars on their team. Um, I mean, do you think we're going to see the same four or five teams in both leagues? Is anybody going to come out of the woodworks? I mean, because the Rangers, look, handed to them, they won. But nobody saw them sustaining that. I still thought they were a year away, but they took advantage. That $800 million they spent, they took advantage, and they got the W. I mean, you got to hand it to them. So who are, who are some of your favorites going into 2024 out of, out of each league? Right. So I'll do uh, two favorites from each league and then a sleeper from each league. But um, we've talked about this a little bit, I think. But from the AL, just based off trajectory and the way they're headed, the Baltimore Orioles have to be at the top of a lot of people's lists. Um, and then 
on the track for repeat, the Texas Rangers have to be there as well. Um, neither team has really got – the Orioles have definitely not gotten worse. I think they've gotten better in the offseason than when I've got Craig Kimbrell. Um, they lost Felix Batista for the year, but quickly answered that. We're going to probably see Jackson Holiday this year. The farm is just loaded. I think the reality is they're the team to beat. Uh, the Rangers, I put slightly behind them just because there's guys they haven't really re-signed yet. Jordan Montgomery's still sitting out there. Right. Um, haven't quite brought the rotation back to uh, what it was at playoff time, especially uh, Scherzer's hurt again. DeGrom's not going to be ready for the end of the season. So I still think they're going to be very good um, this year. Uh, I think they'll get better as the season goes on. So it may just come down to how they come out of the gate. Um, the team that I think is going to surprise a lot of people, uh, it hurts me to say it, the Seattle Mariners. Um, hmm. Especially you go and get a guy like Mitch Garber coming out of the Texas system. Just won a championship, knows how to do it. A guy that knows what's going on in the Texas clubhouse. Yes. I think just a, a winner. You go and get a winner. Uh, that helps. They dumped uh, someone like Eugenio Suarez, went to Arizona, I believe. Right. A very high strikeout guy. Guy can, that can hit the ball 500 feet, no problem, but he strikes out a lot. Went and got Luis Urias, who is more of a ball-and-play contact hitter. I love moves like that. It's still going to be arguably the best rotation in baseball, I think. Um, it's... I, I think they're the team to beat. They're a sleeper. I think they underperformed last year. Um, th th I've got my eyes on them. Uh, as far as the NL goes, I hate to say it, just because of recent news, the Dodgers obviously have to be on the list. Uh, spending over a billion for two players for a long-term window that does not change the fact of how good either player is uh, bringing in Tyler glass. Now still a very good farm. Uh, they're going to win a lot of ball games this year. Um, the Atlanta Braves, a lot of weird trades on, on their side. Some that didn't make a whole lot of sense. A lot of it salary related to try to just keep numbers where they're at going out and getting a guy like Jared Kelnick. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think still they're going to be a, a, at the top of the list. Um, as far as sleeper teams, I think it feels wrong to call them a sleeper just because of where they were at last year. I think the Diamondbacks are going to meet the same expectations they sat or they met had from last year. I okay. did, definitely did not expect them to get to the World Series. I don't know that... Um, I won't say they aren't a World Series caliber team, but I think they've put everybody on notice. The farm's very good. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they're probably like one, maybe two signings away from uh, just being a powerhouse. Um, they're going to be good for the foreseeable future, I think. I think they're kind of flying under the radar just because there aren't any huge names there right now. Um, yeah. But they, well, they, put, they, they put the league on notice. Yeah, they've they've got some solid arms. They've got they've got a good bullpen. You know, um, what's his name? Seawald has really fitted nicely as their closer. I mean, Corbin Carroll just a just a stud. I mean, young, one of the up and coming superstars. 
and in a very tough division. I mean, if you can get to the World Series and your division was the NL West, I mean, bless you for that because, you know, that is a division that it always seems like the Padres or the Giants look like they're poised to have a run. And even the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers really disappointed with where they had, where they were at for their win total. And it, it's just like, wow. Like, like the, the NL West is, is strong and, you know, Colorado's not going to be great, but they're going to be better this year. You can't be much worse than you were last year, <laughs> um, you know, but the Diamondbacks, you know, I like that call. That's a, that's a that's a solid team right there. And right. so, you know, my sleeper this next year, I, I really think that the Blue Jays do something this next year. I, I just I, okay. I think there's still some signings to happen. I think there's still some things that that they're going to do to sign some players. But something tells me they're going to get over the hump this year. Something tells me they're going to break through and at least win one one playoff series. I, I just. I don't know, man. I just maybe it's wishful thinking on my part because they've got so much young talent and maybe they don't ever get it done. But as a sleeper, I think they would be a sleeper for me. And even the Rays could be a sleeper because the Rays keep getting rid of talent, but they somehow keep coming back more and more competitively. Right. And I agree with your sentiment. The reality is the Blue Jays were a typical Vlad Guerrero season away from just laying waste to, I think, the rest of the league last year. So if Vlad Guerrero can come back, stay true to form, I I think that's still a juggernaut team. A lot of offense, great rotation. I agree. The the Blue Jays are not far-fetched. So on the lookout, you know, the Astros have some talent in the minor leagues, even though we talked about how it's thin. Um, Pedro Leone is a guy that I just don't know if it's ever going to come around that he becomes a five tool player that everybody says he can be because of the holes of this swing. But you got Spencer Arigetti, you've got right. Desenzo, you've got Wickham, you've got Wagner. Hell, heck, you even have Colton Gordon. I think Colton Gordon has a higher upside than Spencer Arigetti, if I'm being real honest. All the minor league people I talk to rave more about Colton Gordon than they do about Arigetti. Arigetti has all the hype because he's the closest. But out of that group, out of, you know, some of those guys that I mentioned, who do you think that we should be on the lookout for to maybe make an impact this year? Right. So uh, this is probably more of a chess move, I think. Um, I'm excited about the Whitleys, as we talked about, possibly coming up contending uh, in a bullpen spot. I still think there's shades of greatness in Pedro Leone. Um, and I hope he puts it together. But what I'm watching is the third base situation, just based off the speculation that Bregman's not getting an extension. So with that, a name like Will Wagner starts to get my attention as I'm watching this guy and trying to see, okay, is this our third baseman of the future? Is he going to play more third? Uh, I think he spent more time last year kind of middle infield, but his utility mm -hmm. played third in, uh, over spring training. I'm watching him like a hawk to see what the organization thinks about him and where he plays position-wise may be a good indicator of that. So if Will Wagner moves to third, um, 
I think that may be kind of a tip of the hand that they think there's a possibility this is a Bregman replacement down uh, the line, which uh, the homer in me is saying, that's awesome. Let's try it out. Billy Wagner's kid. <laughs> what What's more poetic than that? It's oh, kind yeah. of like a few years ago when Biggio's kid got called up with uh, uh, Dante Bichette's kid. Up right. Black Rail. There's something poetic about the Suns coming in and getting their shot too. So I'd love to see something like that. Um, we'll, oh, time will tell. Uh, we're a couple of months away from, from starting to get some, some feedback on that. No. Yeah. And, and I'm excited to see that. Um, I'm hoping to get back to spring training this year. Um, when you, if you ever get to go to spring training or if you've ever been, you know that, um, there are the regular fields where the players play, and then there's the minor league fields. And what is cool, and just fans watching, if you go, if you go to practice in the morning, you can literally walk from the cages to the fields with the minor leaguers. You can talk to the Lopertitos, nice. the Wagners. You can, you know, last year I actually talked to Gilbert a couple times, and, you know, it pains me to see him, you know, in the Mets organization to this day. I still think he's going to be the one that got away type of player. But, um, you know, it's really neat to see how focused these guys are, how how much of a student of the game they are. We don't have any guys in our system that are known as prima donnas that are, you know, they're all about themselves. I mean, it's a it's a it's a team culture. It's a club culture. And from top to bottom, I've heard, you know, with the, you know, 20 something interviews I've done with players in the Astros organization, they all say the same thing. You know, the Astros give you a ton of information, but they make sure you use the information that they give you the things that help you versus, you know, just throwing the whole book at you like a, like a, you know, Bill O'Brien playbook and saying, learn this in, you know, five days. Um, yeah. But I digress, but, you know, I, I really think you're going to see Spencer Arigetti and Colton Gordon possibly make a move. I would like to see Sean Dubin, um come into this year and because dudes man he can hit he can hit 100 i mean the dude can throw gas he has got he has got the arm I actually talked to him after after the um season ended he was already back up in new york and he said he's looking to have a big year and turn things around because you know injury and stuff so i'm looking for big things out of dubes as well i just i think pitching wise we've got a lot more to look forward to the position guys might be a little further out because there's guys in their way position, like blocking them. Right. But once after this year, I, I think the, I, I think the field's wide open. Um, who knows? Maybe Loperfito catches, catches it. And maybe, you know, unfortunately maybe someone goes down with an injury and you get someone like Loperfito a chance to come up and show his left-handed bat and his opposite field power and his glove in the outfield. I would, I would like to see it. I think we've got many, many directions we can go with that. But I'm I'm most looking forward to Eric Getty just to see when he gets up here what he does. Sure. And I believe uh, we got a glimpse of Sean Dubin last year. He got to call up, uh, yeah. pitched with the, the big club a little bit. Yeah, he pitched in Arlington. Right. So I, I'm showing my ignorance, I guess, from the fan side of it and the fact that I burned out in high school. But – <laughs> From a professional standpoint, for the pitchers, like we said, we've acknowledged the pin has the most openings. And I think baseball is headed a direction to where um, pitchers are going to fill out a roster based off their stuff, not what their um, 
programmed for. So you may not mm. have five starters on a roster in the future. You may have two or three, and then it's just a pin full of guys with absolutely filthy stuff. Mm. So with that in mind, I I would love to see a, gone, a guy like Sean Dubin get bullpen opportunity. Spencer Arigetti get a bullpen opportunity. I would love uh, – this is a name we should have thrown out when we were talking about uh, signings or guys we wanted to see – I want to see a, I think it's Yadiel Rodriguez out of Cuba, 26. Yes. That a yes. lot of big league clubs are talking to right now, especially with the Cuban influence at the Strohs. When you come in, you you play at an organization that Yuli Gurriel has an impact on, Jose Abreu, um, Jordan Alvarez, all these Cuban guys. Are just There's yep. a, a massive talent pool there. I think he would fit in perfectly here. Uh, and because yeah, he he's not on a big league roster, I guess he, he maybe starts in the farm and comes up a little bit. So, yeah. And, you know, um, next week I'm actually going to bring on um, Cuba, um, Phil, Phil Sealy. He's actually from Canada. He's a photojournalist that's been covering yeah. the Cuban National League for over 12 years now. And um, I, I, I've talked to him with my time over there at Locked On and I, I told him I wanted to bring him on and. Um, I'll have to bring both you guys on at the same time because this dude knows the Cuban system inside and out. We even ha- I even have a picture. I'll just send it to you. I have a picture he sent me of Jordan when he was 17 in the Cuban wow. League, and he looks like an absolute beanpole. I mean, he looks just like a blanky high schooler, you know, and now he's just yeah. a beast of a man. But, yeah, Rodriguez would be a nice fit. Again, the only thing holding a guy like that back is what are they going to want for that money up front? How much is Crane willing to spend? And, you know, look, this is kind of kind of a curveball here, but um, I, was, I was talking to Eric about this, and we're both wondering, why has Jim Crane been so MIA this offseason in these mm-hmm. signings, even with Joe Espada? I know there's a lot of rumors going around about him getting ready to sell the team. I, I've heard, I heard a rumor that there's some Saudis looking at buying the team. Now, I don't know where that came from or how much traction that is, but I'm just like, I don't like the stuff that I'm hearing because you don't ever know what kind of direction a new owner is going to take the ball club. Um, if they're going to try to maximize profits, you know, take take money off the books. Because I, I think we've still got a couple years run left in this ball club in Houston. Um, but... I don't know. Is is that something you think we need to worry about, or is that just, or is that just like something to just because we're fans, we don't want our team to go by the wayside? Of course. Um, yeah, success in baseball is a process, right? You have to build it from the farm, grow it, and then either pay to keep your talent or it walks. So, right. I think that's kind of unfortunately where we're at. Um, I, I'm not giving much credence to the idea that Jim Crane is selling the team. Uh, right. I Logic says you look at something like Live Golf and you say, oh, Saudis, they're going to dump all sorts of money into it. Possibly, I'm not, I'm not subscribing to that theory yet. There's still right. I hear the talk. There's the talk that he bought all, all the, uh, the area surrounding Minute Maid Park to kind of develop like an entertainment district, if you will. I think Jim Crane's invested here and he's not going anywhere, which that's fine by me. I understand he's a businessman. He's ultimately worried about the bottom line. 
that's just how they function. And like I said, even as fans, you have to respect the process and just where the Astros are in the process. Um, I think they're business-wise, I think he may be kind of taking a backseat. One, because he hired Dana Brown. He trusts Dana Brown a little bit to, right, exactly. to run the organization, okay. uh, make the moves that he sees fit. Um, he's probably given them a really good idea of what he can and can't do. Step round, step back. You hired a guy for this. Let him do his job. Um, exactly. Two conspiracy theory wise, the rumor mill says that we lost or are losing a lot of money on the TV deal. Um, the space city networks, whatever the collaboration right. with Til- Tillman and the Rockets. So, uh, we're looking at it going, he's taking a back seat. The man just may be busy. He's trying to hammer out uh, the business. That's true. Side of that That's true because he to, did lose like, you know, between 20 and 50 million for the next couple of years. So, you know, right. shoot, I've never, I've never made that much, let alone lost that much. <laughs> yeah. No joke. I'm right there with you. So I'm giving Jim Crane the benefit of the doubt. I don't think his, uh, lack of presence in the press is any indication of where he he sits with the team or anything like that. I I think it's just part of being an owner. Oh, you know, I love that take. That actually makes me feel better. You know, I'm usually the always positive, always Stroh's guy, but sometimes I need to be reminded of my faith, you know, in the team. Right. Um, But let's, let's say the Astros get to a point to where, they're competitive. Maybe they're in second place behind the Rangers. Maybe they're jockeying for position. You know, McCullers comes back um, or, you know, um, Garcia comes back. But they still feel like maybe they need to go out and get another starter. Maybe they they don't want to overextend McCullers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to overuse Garcia. Do you think the Astros make a trade um, this season if it if it's something to help them position for the playoffs? Do you think? what they do is what they're going to do beforehand and they just ride with what they got. Man, there's a lot of gray area to, to operate in on this. Um, if it came down in season to something at the deadline, I could see us pulling off kind of a bargain bin deal to go get somebody, uh, just a name we're familiar with, like a Wade Miley, somebody that's a rental okay. one year deal, just to bridge, uh, the gap. If that need arose, um, what I am watching for, and I will go on record, I think they should explore this option very heavily, is pulling off a big trade and moving somebody like Framber Valdez. Yeah. Um, we've talked about uh, just kind of the outlook once Justin Verlander came back, kind of the speculation that um, it threw off his, his mental game. Um, yeah just things of that nature. And the reality is he's pitched some big innings for the Astros. I've loved having him here. He's been fun to watch. He's done some awesome things here. We have to think about keeping that championship window open as long as possible. And kind of I'm right about where you said, you said, I think we got maybe two or three years left. I think we're on the short end of that. I think it's going to be time to explore blowing it up probably after two years. I don't think there's a third. So in order to uh, maybe, kill multiple birds with one stone. I think if you look at trading somebody like a Framber Valdez, somebody that has the prospects, so 
God forbid, the Dodgers, somebody like that that is healthy in pitching prospects uh, that would is contending and would love somebody like a Framber Valdez, I think we need to at least explore the option and see what can be made from it. Yeah, definitely. Just as long as we don't have to relive the Drayton McLean sell everything era. Yeah. That was brutal. I re- I remember I was at the game that Hunter Pence left the field when he was being told that he was traded. I mean, I got goosebumps thinking about that, dude. That was, that was, that was weird. That was a terrible time to be an Astros fan. Now it was great for my pocketbook, 10 games for $20. I mean, I was, I was all my friends that were in club level. They're like, do you want to go to the game? I'm like, heck yeah. You know, getting beat by the Brewers five to one. And when we were still national league, I mean, those were kind of the darker days, but it's not always going to be where this club is on top. I, I, right. I still, I still think though, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. I, I still think that whether we win another title or not in this time period, I personally don't feel like the Astros have to validate a dynasty with another title. I think the sustainability of this run, because honestly, I and I would say this, and I'll go on record right now. If it was any other team, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Mets, whoever, and they had this kind of run, I would be like, how do you not call that a dynasty? How do you not call that? You know, the Bills 0-4 in in the Super Bowl, I don't know if you'd call that a dynasty, but if they had gone seven or eight straight years to the AFC title game and they had been to four Super I just, I don't know where this hang-up is. Well, it's got to be three championships. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know, man. Like pretty much everything, everything still ran through Houston until game seven of the ALCS. So I think we're at a point too. It's kind of like the, uh, the metric for the hall of fame is mm. can you tell the story of baseball without including this guy? Well, we're at a point, mm. sorry, fans, Dodgers fans, Yankees fans. We're at a point. You can't tell a story of baseball for the past decade without including Seven ALCS appearances, two World Series championships, two legitimate World Series championships. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yes. Rob Manfred, I, I've got a gesture for you if I ever see you in person. Threw uh, just mud and gunk on us by bringing it up when it did because it's it has made it a conversation where I agree with what you're saying is this shouldn't even be an argument. Yes, this is a dynasty. Um, right. 100%. Uh, when people think about baseball in the late 2010s to uh, now partway through the 2020s, it's going to be impossible not to talk about the Houston Astros and what was oh, going yeah. on here. There's there's multiple Hall of Famers that have come through here. Um, yeah, it's just – it's not possible. Hey, speaking of Hall of Famers, before we go, because I know we're going – Sure. A little bit longer than I want to, but I think this is relevant. Billy Wagner. Why in the hell is Billy Wagner having to go on shows and plead his case? This guy's top two in almost every category for closers all time. Like, right. what does Billy Wagner, like, if I was Billy Wagner, I would be like, sir, respectfully, I don't want to talk about it. You know my resume. And I keep seeing these ballots coming in. And they got like Jimmy Rollins or Carlos Beltran and no and like no Billy Wagner. I, I'm like, 
I, I don't know, dude. I, I think Billy Wagner should be the next Houston Astro in the Hall of Fame. But what is the hang-up here? I mean, I don't understand these writers. To me, I'm like, revoke your freaking privileges if you can't even vote for a dude that actually deserves it. I mean, he's not even marginal. I think he's one of the best. I I agree wholeheartedly. And it's one of those uh, for the mid-late 90s, early 2000s, when we got prime Billy Wagner, you lumped him into the same group that you had Trevor Hoffman, Mariano Rivera, all these guys that are already in the hall that yeah. I agree with you. This shouldn't quite be a conversation. Okay, if you want to say, well, he's not a first ballot, he needs to wait a little bit to get in. I could respect that as far as maybe just an ode to some of the greats that are already there. But uh, I think last year finished at like 71% and change. And just under. Just under, right. yeah. So I think he's waited long enough. I think it needs to be in. I think it needs to be him and probably Adrian Beltre for this class. And then I'm okay with – or I'm content with letting everybody else wait a little bit longer. Oh yeah, definitely. No, and and that's that's the thing. Um this this like Hall of Fame vote, it, it just it, it just to me it's so like it doesn't make sense the way that some of these things are decided or not decided, you know, guys that turn in bat. Now, I understand maybe a ballot has a bunch of guys that don't deserve the hall. That's why you don't vote for anybody. But I'm like, shouldn't there be a requirement to at least vote for somebody? I don't know, man. Right. I just I, I I just think it should be Bagwell BGO. It should be Wagner. Your next guy will be Altuve. I think he's your next position player for this team. Um, to Here's, be, I think, yeah. I got two two questions for you then before we okay. wrap it up. One, Justin Verlander is a Hall of Famer. Does he go in as an Astro? I think he has to. He won two right. World Series. He won two right. World Series with this team. I understand the ties to Detroit, but if, you know, if, and someone says, well, someone said, well, you know, Nolan Ryan won a world series with the Mets. Yeah. But he was like a rookie. He wasn't even, I mean, he left that team shortly after. And then the only other argument would be the Astros or the angels. Well, it was clearly the Rangers. And now do the players pick the hat or the league? So that's where I was going to go next. I think the players picked the hat because the first guy to go in and not choose a team, I think, was Greg Maddox. So I think we're maybe entering an era where you start to see more guys just not pick a team, go on their hat, which, you know what, that's their right. Obviously, for selfish reasons, I'd love them to go on in with that. Well, I would think, though, I would think that Verlander would would want the Astros hat because – him and Jim Crane are so close, and he knows what the city's been through. He knows what he's been through just being a part of the first team because of all the stuff we've already talked about. And right. he's like, wait, no, that's legit. I mean, it's two of them legit, you know? Right. The other question I had is yeah. more of a prediction in Soapbox, but Carlos Beltran being on the ballot this year. If Carlos Beltran gets into the Hall of Fame, there should be riots in the streets based off what we know with the scandals going on. Oh, my He's heavily tied into the sign-stealing scandal. If it's as cheating as everybody wants to say it is, y'all should be calling for his head. 
Carlos Beltran should not get into the hall. And if he does, then we've opened up Pandora's box to go. If okay, he does, Mark McGuire in, why and Barry Bonds in? Yeah, why aren't all there these other go. guys in that we're doing the same cheating? And I think there's a real chance that the writers could screw this up if he's already getting votes. But uh, well, if he gets in, if he gets in, and someone gives me grief about Altuve not being a first battle Hall of Famer. I will have to go UFC on them or slap them with an RKO. I just, I just, it makes, it makes no logical sense, but Hey man, this has been a great show, Kyle. Um, you know, Clancy, as we call you here at AD, thanks sure. for, thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for talking baseball. That's what we do. We talk about all H town sports here at the H town wheelhouse show. So this has been a great show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to Spotify, download all the shows, listen to them all. Split Decision, Dugout Confessions, Three Man Rush, Mr. Fantasy. I mean, just look, we got it all. Jet Boyer, we got Clonty, we, we got all kinds of stuff. Duke it out. I mean, I don't know who I'm missing. We got some new shows coming up this year. I'm excited. So for me, for Clonty, for all of us here at Athletically Declined Sports, this has been another H-Town Wheelhouse show. Y'all have a good one. Until next time. Bury me in the age. That's right.